As we continue our journey through this season of Chronicle, we open the doors once again to another guest voice. The theme of this season has been guests joining me for the first time ever on a season of Chronicle, bringing their selection of a European horror movie to discuss. So far, we've had some classics, we've had some modern hidden gems, and this time we're making a small journey to a movie that I had never even heard of until my guest brought it up. So get yourself ready for a review of Night of the Devils from 1972. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you're listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Ignition, T-10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, liftoff. Oh, my God. 
Welcome back. So, continuing our run on Chronicle, we have another host joining me here, bringing with them a movie from Europe, which meets the criteria, and this will be another movie, which is a first-time watch for me. So, we're, we're slowly... I see another movie. There's a guest coming up soon who's picked a movie I've never seen before. So, um... I'm slowly not only getting to tick off some of the movies that I genuinely love and haven't covered before, but also getting an opportunity to sit down and check out movies that I've either heard of before but never seen, or in the case of this movie, never heard of before at all and never seen. So um, joining me on this one is the host of the Cinema Attacks podcast. He's a very good friend of mine who's currently working through an entire box set, a legacy set, of Gamera movies over on the podcast Under the Stairs. That is my good friend Derek Bourgeois. How's it going? What's going on, Duncan? It's been a while. I was saying that jokingly. You. How dare you? <laughs> Never joke about it. <laughs> Never take Steen's name in vain on a podcast. <laughs> It's not like it's crazy because I seen Stain before they were even big back in the day. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, before he went all weird and and he's like, I'm gonna make countries and country albums and Mark Stain. Yeah, he's went full in. Like he 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 could do new metal or he could do country. Country will make you more money. Yeah. you know that's how that works. I'm, it, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the Aaron Lewis slash Darius Rucker crossover album. <laughs> when Stain met Hootie. <laughs> um, I'm like super curious as to how you came to this pick. Um, so you've chosen uh, Night of the Devil. Um, this is directed by uh, Giorgio Ferroni. Um, now, for those out there that may not know this guy's name, and to be honest, that's understandable. He kind of had a career that ran up until about the mid-70s, and then 
I'm, I'm assuming he either retired or died. Uh, according to this, he died in 1981. So a couple of years after his final movie, but literally was making movies from the 30s. So mm-hmm. kind of like a, like, and most of it, kind of from what I can see anyway, is the kind of stuff that you expect from kind of Italian workhorse directors, where whatever the, the big thing was at the time, he seemed to be involved in doing it. So the kind of sword and sandal movies, kind of doing that stuff, the historical stuff, he was doing that, you know, right through, right up through the 60s. And then, of course, the 70s arrive, horror starting to really take off and gain a kind of foothold and prominence in Italy. And so he swings in to do Night of the Devils, which is a kind of further adaptation of the the, the, the Wardalak story, which has been adapted God knows how many times now. Uh, it's a Tolstoy story, and um, probably from this part of the world is most known for the segment in uh, Black Sabbath um, yep. by Mario Bava, who does his rendition of this um kind of the word like story starring the late great a uh, Boris Karloff um who you know is uh is but in the spell of Lugosi, isn't it yeah yes yeah sorry I'm, my brain is like wandering uh tonight I don't know what it is every time I try and focus on something it like goes off in a different direction um could be because there could be a word lack out there uh so yeah like before we get into details on this one Two questions. One, had you seen this movie before? Uh, and the second question is, if not, or if so, why did you pick this one? Yes, I have seen this movie before. Uh, I haven't seen it. I didn't see it growing up because, like you, I've never even heard of this movie. You know, I just started to pick up random Raro videos during a sale one I think like five years ago when they had like the weekend sales on their Facebook page, which was pretty nice. You get them for like half off. Nice. And uh, it was like the cover just sucked me in because I've even like on the, if you've ever seen like the slip cover, because Raro Video is interesting because their slip covers actually are different than their actual Blu-ray covers. Mm-hmm. But it has like this girl with like a slit throw with like bloody hands reaching out for her. And it just sucked me in, and I read the back, and it's based off like the same story as that Black Sabbath segment that you were talking about. And you know, I was like, "Oh, I gotta check this out." And yeah, I didn't even know who Giorgio Farini was back then. Yeah, I, I, you know, I he only really did like two horror movies: this and back in 1960 did Mill of the Stone Woman. Yes. Which actually which, just got a release. Oh yeah, which recently got a very handsome um, Arrow Video special edition release, which uh, by the way was the first time I'd seen that movie. I knew it by reputation and watched it and it is fucking great. Um, so d- dude could direct. Yeah, and you know, it had like just so when I just popped the, this Blu-ray in for the first time and I just heard the score, I'm like, oh, this is going to be for me. <laughs> you, you know, because I find out that the score is done by, let me butcher this guy's name, 
Giorgio Gaslini, who of course most famously is the composer of Dario Argento's Deep Red, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and and then has Carlo Rambaldi effects in it. I'm like, yeah, this movie was made for me, yeah. and it's very tinged with its gothic atmosphere. It's very psychedelic in its color scheme of the movie. Yeah, oh god, it's also very gothic and. I was just sucked in, and it's been a few years since I've seen this one, and I'm thinking when you told me to pick a movie, one that I wanted to talk about that I don't think a lot of people know about is Night of the Devils. It was either this, or it was going to be either a sleazy Jess Franco or a John Roland movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided that, you know, I went with the more hidden gem of the movies, and you know, because I... I get sucked in like this era of 70s cinema from this different countries like Italy, France, Spain. You know, yeah, they all oh, yeah. suck me in. And this actually has a bit of flavor because it's also a Spanish slash Italian co-production. So it has a little of that Which Spanish was like flavor. super popular at the time. I think a lot of people like don't understand the, the synchronicity between the financing of a lot of movies in this era were all kind of like of this time specifically like Spanish or French co-productions with Italian filmmakers so like Italian cinema was certainly on the rise at this point specifically in 72 and mostly off the back of like Argento's success internationally and then you get a ton of well let's let's get a piece of that um, me and uh, over on the podcast under the stairs, me and uh, a, a good mutual friend of ours, uh, Dave Parker, covered those um, forgotten jelly box sets and the amount of movies that are in there that are Spanish Italian co productions um, are nuts. It just seemed to be that's how a lot of these movies, and not the big ones, not your Argentos, not your Martinos or anything like that, but. The ones that were being churned out pretty quickly uh, are the ones that appear to be getting a lot of financing from places out with. So you're not necessarily getting a full-on Spanish flavour in this movie per se, but you know it's certainly it's certainly in there if you know what I mean. Um, I think what surprised me the most about this is that, like I said before, I'd never heard of it before. Um, and when I sat down to watch it a couple of nights ago, uh, the, the first thing that clocked me was obviously the director because recently seen Mel the Stone Woman for the first time a couple of months ago when I when I bought the Blu-ray. And it was one of those ones where I was like, I need to check in. I need to check out this director's body of work. And I didn't go through the whole thing because, like you mentioned before, most of the titles are like genres that I'm not really all that interested in. I'm not a big fan of kind of sword and sandal movies and he's got a lot of them in his back catalogue and I must have skimmed right over this without even looking at it you know Night of the Devils clearly to me like rings out horror movie but I'd I'd obviously skimmed over it without paying too much attention Um, and then when you picked it I was like alright this could be let's see and as soon as I saw the the Werdelac I was like alright so we're just we're just doing what Bava did a decade before right and we're just putting another spin on it uh, we'll see how this goes. Kind of almost a little bit dismissive. And what I found out maybe like 10, 15 minutes into this movie is like this is surprisingly 
self-assured. Like, it really is going out its way to be its own entity, which is very bold when the director, a director, a prominent director, a director who looms large over this particular genre of cinema in this country, has already taken a stab at this. You know, with, you know, arguably one of the greatest names of horror cinema at the time. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to take a swing at it. And not only that, you're going to make this gothic feeling, which kind of feels like that, you know, that's Bava's bag and you're kind of pulling at it. But you're making it like 100% your own thing. Um, you're adding a lot of your own details. You make it much more gnarlier, much darker as well. And... I just kind of found that refreshing because, like, Italian cinema, even from 72, almost becomes the snake that eats its own tail. Like, we literally just churn out, by, especially by 72, we are churning out the same movie, like, every week with one yeah. or two details changed. And this kind of feels like, because we're at the height of the Jallo in 72, um, you know, Argento himself is making his final movie in The Animal, trilogy before going off and doing his own doing his very failed drama um but you know he's had he's had enough and the writing's on the wall for it and then we've got this kind of gothic throwback horror movie which was the the kind of toast of the town in italy a decade before but we're putting our own spin on it I, i just found it like hugely fascinating from that point of view and like i say i think for a movie that's an hour and a half, you get a ton of bang for your buck in this one. Uh, essentially, the synopsis is listed on IMDb as the patriarch of a wealthy family fears he will show up one day in vampiric form. Should this happen, he warns his family not to let him back into his house, no matter how much he begs them. Which is certainly the story of the Werdelac. This is not the story of the movie. The story of the movie specifically is uh, a character called Nicola, played by Gianni Jarko, um, who is fucking great in this movie. Um, He's fantastic. He arrives at the beginning. He's filmed, kind of wandering and slightly insane, and is kind of taken to a, a medical psychiatric establishment um, with amnesia. And he. You know, it's kind of shocked when he sees like a particular woman that jars him to recall the events. Very like short night of glass dolls. Um, recall. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when I first. Like, seventy two as well. Yeah, seventy two yeah. as well. So um, with short night of glass dolls. So like, and this helps him recall the details of his missing memory of being on the way to a a particular kind of tradesman and his car breaks down in the woods and he comes across this family that's living a relatively backwards lifestyle in the woods um, that refuse to leave because they believe that the Werdalak, in the case of this one, a witch who lives in the woods is uh, corrupting and converting uh, vampires and... um, they're doing it to essentially destroy the family. This curse looms large over this forest. Um, and uh, Nicola is one desperately trying to get out of the woods, but two falls in love uh, with one of the daughters of the, the, the owner of the house. Um, and essentially throughout the film, we see 
the effect as the, the vampires slowly start to, in an almost I Am Legend sort of way, infiltrate the house itself mm-hmm. and the family. Um, his escape and his ultimate break in sanity leading to a wonderfully dark ending. Um, yes. The end of this movie is, once again, very much like Short Night of Glass Dolls, actually. It's one of those ones where you're like, fuck, that's bleak. Um, I, I'll put my cards on the table. I thought this was brilliant. Um, I like really, really, really enjoyed this. I don't think it's... I think there's some bits where it's clearly lacking a bit of money. Um, I think at times some of the cinematography um, is almost a bit TV-esque. It's not quite as sharp as some of the other cinematography uses of this era. Um, but it's not cheap. It's just it has a palette which is maybe not necessarily the full-on Italian palette. It works for the movie though because this one isn't set in a gothic castle or out in the, the swinging nightlife of Milan. This one's set in the woods. And it kind of aids that like kind of almost Grimm's fairy tale esque vibe that they're going for. But it, it does it, it can be a bit unpretty to look at at times. Um, but what it has in spades, and you've already touched on it, Derek, is the score of this is absolutely fucking bitching. Um, the the pacing is great. The the kind of like it takes its time to get to the point where the the vampires start to slowly take control. But when they do, it really becomes quite like awesome and gnarly um especially when the kids get turned i think that's like where i was like oh fuck this is yeah <laughs> this is how kids are supposed to be in movies take that camera yeah, like, <laughs> you like, like the kids are like genuinely creepy in this mm. uh, before they even become vampires and doubly so when they become vampires um but i what i love about this as well is there's a kind of there's a love story at the center of it and this love story is it could be used super tragic in, yeah it could be used in so many cliche ways that it has been done in other movies and this one it is totally tragic and it sticks to the landing of that tragedy which I I'd like I was kind of I was waiting for the, the shoe to drop and be like alright so live happily ever after and then when I saw the actual end of the movie I was like that's that's the ending we need to a movie like this. I don't want the happy ever after ending. I want the, you know, the curse lives on. The effects are still there. This guy's a broken man because he's lived through. Like it always irks me and annoys me when a character can go through like the worst like weekend or the worst night of their life, and then it's why I love like misery so much. Like James can at the end of that movie is trying to pick up his life but he's still getting these flashbacks of fucking Kathy Bates even when he's in a safe surrounding and he knows she's dead like his mind will drift off and that trauma will come back to him and I I, I like movies that do that not in a way of just like a kind of cheap jump scare but actually no the after this guy is broken and here are the after effects that carry on with it Um, I think all that works incredibly well what about you? Like, like, what what are the elements of this movie? Being a fan of this era of cinema and this area of cinema, what is it that really just kind of grabs you and maybe elevates it to a movie that you would say it should be on people's lists if they haven't seen it? The thing that I loved about this movie the first time and on this rewatch watching it is how the forest 
feels like its own character within yeah. the film. Yeah. And the imagery, like the one scene where the dad's going to the witch's lair and you see like this uh, boar head, you know, it's pretty gnarly mm. in that sense where they use that. And, you know, I just love uh, some of the scenes that don't even involve. I like that he actually gets away, but he comes back. And, you know, he actually does some investigation. So it does have some, like, Giallo-esque feels to the movie where he actually goes to visit a person who used to live in the area. Which, you know, the scene actually kind of reminded me of a movie. Actually, ironically enough, we talked about Boris Karloff, an old Boris Karloff movie that I love called Die, Monster, Die. Yes. Where, you know, you know where Nick Adams went to go talk to Patrick McGee out of nowhere? Mm -hmm. see what's going on it kind of reminded me of that and you know he went back and all hell broke loose plus uh the main uh woman actress of this movie you know the love interest i love her eyes you know and you know that's how you could actually tell because that they actually use like a lot of like eye imagery with the Waldervax like imagery because you could tell which ones are turned yes because of the red eye shadow underneath and on this rewatch I knew oh no yeah because <laughs> <laughs> I knew already but I'm like oh no yeah. she's not one of them dude yeah it's, but know, it's quite but... clever because like they do like when she comes into the room and he's he's like kind of straight jacketed in the bed like there are like particular camera angles where her face looks like pale like very 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 pale and it yeah. does make you wonder, is that the light in there or is this how he sees her? And I love the ambiguity there. Um, also, there's a detail which, I'd like to me, just was like like the cherry on top of the sundae. Um, like when you find a word of lack and you, you obviously use the old stake through the heart, their face melts like inwards, yeah. like it's a scene from Indiana Ooh. Jones. <laughs> Yeah, Carl Rambaldi, <laughs> man, his I love his blood in movies. Yeah. Oh yes, I love how he makes fingers as candles. You know, mm -hmm. it's great. You know, he can't make a werewolf to save his life because the werewolf in Silver Bullet looks like a beer. God forbid. <laughs> but you know, probably the most famous thing he ever did was probably E.T. Yes. He yeah. actually, which is crazy to think that the guy who created ET did effects on this movie. Yeah, you know, you, like, everyone starts somewhere. Um, although he'd been going on for a while before that, like it's it's a it's a smart detail as well. That once again, you when you watch it, you think, "All right, that's like a that's a cool, like I've seen them, you know, evaporate, burst into flames. I've seen all these different things. I don't know if I've physically just seen their face melt inwards. That's a new one." And once again, like a lot of things in these movies, it's foreshadowing and pays off at the end. So it's not just a cool detail, but it will ultimately be used as a way to prove that Nicola kills his love for the wrong reasons at the end of this movie. Not that there are any right reasons, but um, you know, like when he's like he's you know he's been dragged off back to his room, and he's like, "Listen, you know, look at our face; it'll all be melting inwards and decaying." Um, and the doctor's like. Nope. <laughs> what do you mean nope? Uh, it's like it's just it's a really really cool detail 
that could just be so easily used as a kind of throwaway just effect using a movie oh that's a cool effect you've never seen before but I love the fact that there's care in here to make it part of the actual story and yeah. that to me once again just shows that there's a, a like there's a lot of movies made for cynical reasons around this time and I'm not saying this movie was made for the most you know altruistic reasons it probably wasn't and then the day movies are made for money but that you know you can tell the difference between a director who's interested in a project um, and you know special special effects people and actors and actresses who are interested in the product and, and those that are there for a payday and this one appears to be made with people that want to do a really cool kind of gothic horror story and you're right it has just little shades of the jello it's difficult not to buy 72 um, it has to have something in there uh, whether it's cinematography or score that likens it to those movies but the the fact that it kind of the the fact that it pays off as much as it does in the way that it does to me was supremely refreshing and just another thing that made me really enjoy it i you know i, I don't know i'm i, I love movies like much like yourself i love italian movies from this era but i like i'm the first one to put my hands up and say oh that's a cash grab Right, you've just ripped off, you know, Bud with the Crystal Plumage. What are you actually doing here? Right, that's went one step too far. This makes yeah. no sense. That guy's the killer. I've seen him only once. Um, you know, like you can start like going through like a check checkbox list of well, that's not right, and that's not right. And this one is surprisingly well tied together. And I think that's what kind of floored me about not knowing the name or having never seen it before you would think a movie that and i'm gonna put it down to the fact that it's 72 and the big thing in 72 was jello that a movie like this maybe flies under the radar because yeah. like i said i'd never never heard of it before um and the name obviously straight like you have anything with devil in the name and around 72 i'm thinking the devils so i'm like that race is going nuns fucking um and then like obviously i saw the cover artwork that you sent and it does look like well it's a woman um and i was like all right is she a nun <laughs> like <laughs> i just like that way where you just think instantly that it's you know because there's a lot of them of this time that have like devil in the name from 72 uh, which yeah. i think might be the year the devils came out in 71 or 72 um so it's easy just to like kind of lean towards that, but it's totally not, and it, it benefits for 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 not being that way. Um, and even the acting, the acting is surprisingly. I don't want to sound like I'm shocked, but it's surprisingly good across the board here. Yeah, they are all good. Yeah, you just don't expect. I don't expect that from movies of this era. I expect like one or two relatively great actors and then a lot of well, you're unfortunately cast but you've only got three lines so it's alright um, and like it, it was really well really well held together and even like a even like the witch when she doesn't even have any like lines at all and you know she's mostly like body moving and that yeah. was like interesting and creepy especially with the musical score around her yes 100% and this is another one where We've seen a lot of portrayals of witches in Italian cinema before. How is this? It'd be once again very easy to do the Bava thing 
and do a Black Sunday or whatever, but we we don't do that. Like it, it feels updated, it feels refreshed, but it still at the same time has that kind of gnarly old school gothic feel, which the the the, the way of contrast those two. Also, I love the idea that the movie itself is kind of bookended by kind of 1972 technology and science but the main thrust of the story is superstition and you know and and uh, and, and horror yeah. and i really i love that about this you know and, and like it it just feels really well put together uh, and like i say like i was genuinely shocked not because you picked it um but i was genuinely shocked that it did as much as it did well that it actually did. And like I say, I'd never come across it before. Um, not that I'm the be-all and end-all, but of this particular era, I've usually heard of the movie. Even if I haven't seen it, I've heard of the movie. And I had not of this one at all. Um, and like we said before, like uh, Gianni Giarco, uh, who done a ton of it's probably he's another guy who's maybe no more known for the Plitsateshi movies afterwards um, yeah you know he's like he is he is playing a fucking great role in here because he's playing confident guy um, confused guy and then like emotionally tormented mentally broken guy at the end and he plays them all with like a great degree of of authenticity and it really yep. holds together like like he doesn't pull off one of those roles this movie kind of falls apart so yeah he kind of reminded me of sam neil in the mouth of madness a hundred percent yeah yeah he hasn't there's a bit of the sam neil about him as well yeah even like with the book in hospital scenes like yeah. that movie yeah i see you john carpenter there's absolutely nothing to say that John, John Carpenter was watching Italian movies from this time period, so there's absolutely nothing to say that it wasn't maybe a slight influence. Um, and because he's not here to defend himself, we will just state that as fact. Um, yeah, he's probably just chain smoking somewhere anyways. Like, I'm going to make a new record. Yeah, a new record of playing like PlayStation or Xbox, yeah. whichever the one he plays. That's the dream. He's He's got it sussed. Um, He's not out there like releasing movies and getting the shit kicked out of him. Um, he's, you know, just touring with albums, being an old rock star, and uh, playing computer games. And hell yeah, worst ways to spend your life, Derek. Um, I suppose, like, not a question to ask many people before, but we've we've done like we always do when I record with you. We very succinctly covered all the bases very very quickly. Um, what would you how would you pitch this to like because I'm very aware that the other movies I've covered thus far are movies that are relatively well known and this one isn't what movies would you liken this movie to as a way to get people in so i.e. if you like this movie then you will like Night of the Devil if you like Let's Sleep and Corpses Lie Mm -hmm. you will like Night of the Devils it has the, the same kind of even like some of the same cinematography, yeah. really, in that movie, with like the way that it's shot, and it, they both end very bleak. <laughs> Just a bit. So then, you know, and uh, I would say that, or even like, uh, you know, even like some of the, the hypnotic stuff, I would say even like some like Jess Franco in there, mm-hmm. you know, like early Jess Franco, not like that 
we were pure. We was like, I'm just gonna do porn to my wife, fucking five <laughs> dudes, you know, like maybe some like early like diabolical. It has like that feel of like diabolical Doctor Z in there, in movies like that, or like mm. even like awful Dolph Orloff, you know. It has little tinges of even Baba, you know, because you know he did the story before, but you know, it has like a little flair of that, you know, if you like anything with Italian atmosphere in movies in general, you will like this movie. If you, you if you like a little bit more flavor to your story, because it is kind of a slow burn because you do find like the mystery of the movie going on. Yeah. You know, and that's why I kind of beckon to Let's Sleep in Corpses Lie or Living Dead in Manchester more. Same movie. Just making sure that the listeners know that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the fool that actually bought two copies of that movie one time. Oh, no. Because like, <laughs> fucking Blue Underground fucking trolled me. Like, like but, see, when... Like, 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 I was thinking about that. Cause, like, it's interesting. Like, we, we've... A, everything you said, I'm like, that, that's like a great choice. I approached it like... Because the movie, weirdly, is a kind of folk horror tale as well. So I kind of... Yeah. Like, I started leaning towards, like, like folk horror movies as like potential recommendations uh, the the one that kind of sprung up for me although it's in a different kind of side of things is like something like Cry the Banshee which came out oh, a, couple, yeah. a couple of years before this one um, it's a more it's, like, it's more period setting for a start but it, it kind of worked or something like that that Russian movie is it Yiv or Viv or yeah, that's the one yeah that you know that sort of thing would go really well I think you're right it's difficult to do a if you like this then you should watch this without mentioning Bava at like at minimum like gothic horror tropes and style loom large over Italian cinema because of Mario Bava so whether it's something like the you know like the whip in the body or you know like the aforementioned Black Sabbath, those kind of gothic tinges are are there in this particular movie because Bava popularised them before. So I think those are all all great suggestions as well. Yeah, ironically, Vi is actually based on the same story as Black Sunday too. That's which right. Is yeah, weird, which is weird because when you watch those back to back, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yep. Um, it's, it's, it's a good one. That's another movie that just recently got a, like a, a very spectacular Blu-ray rendition of it as well. So uh, all these things swing around. Uh, Night of the Devil's weirdly not available on Blu-ray in the UK yet. You can import it. Um, but I get the feeling this is only a matter of time. I get the feeling it's only a matter of time before it works its way over. However, you can watch it on Amazon in HD uh, for a relatively reasonable purchase and price, which is how I checked it out um, for sure. And I, I would hugely recommend that you do so. I genuinely had the ball with this one. Derek, I cannot thank you enough for picking this one. Like I say, this is one of these ones where I don't know, had it not been for you picking this, if I would have ever seen this movie. Like that's one of those ones where you just, like I don't know the conversation I would have had with who I would have had it with that this movie would have come up as a suggestion and I would have went away and checked it out. So, you know, like, I can't thank you enough for that. It's kind of the exciting thing about doing uh, this particular season of Chronicle is that I get an opportunity to, like, guest pick the movies as opposed to just creating a list. 
for myself just to run through, mostly of movies I've already seen before. Um, in terms of, you're a busy guy, you've got like many different podcast avenues out there that people should be checking out because the quality content is always really high. Uh, let the listeners know where they can check out the stuff that you're doing, buddy. Sure. Uh, and also, you're welcome, Duncan. This is my present for you being going through a glamorous <laughs> journey of camera movies. Camera! <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me on that awesomeness. But uh, also, you can find me on Cinema Attack, which you can find on anchor.fm. But you could also just join me on the Cinema Attack Facebook group, where I usually just post the shows. They're mostly on every podcaster's. But if you can't find them, that's where I'll post them. And, you know, every other Facebook group I usually post them in. So just look for that. And you can also find me on the Dark Discussions Network on both No More Room in Hell and No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comforts, where uh, I have fun. And I also guest star in Fresh Cuts here and there. I've been guest starring there more frequently, which is the other show for No More Room in Hell, which, you know, I like to take a break from Mike sometimes. <laughs> you have to. But uh, that's about it for me, Duncan. Thank you so much. This is a pleasure. Yeah, you'll be back on Chronicle for sure. Because um, like, the one thing I know and that you've already mentioned is that you are a big fan of European horror. And uh, I love chatting about European horror, hence this show. So you will indeed be back. Uh, ladies and gents, I am going to bring things into its natural conclusion, closing out the show right after this. And there you have it. Night of the Devils. Thank you very much to my guest, Derek Bourgeois, who joined me with a fine pick. A movie, like I said in the review, that I had never seen before. One that I'm kind of desperate to add to the collection now. And one that definitely, if you've never seen before, you should keep your eyes open for and check it out. Especially if you like old-fashioned horror tales and works of art from the old country. This season of Chronicle will continue on through the year, bringing in guest voices with their picks. And I want to thank you for continuing the journey with us throughout. There is a multitude of different shows on the Teapots Collective feed, which airs this particular show. Over there, you can check out everything else I do, like Where to Begin With, which is a podcast which every year selects a theme or subgenre of cinema, and I pick 10 movies which will give you an introduction, round out your knowledge, and at the same time give you pause for thought on further content to broaden your horizons within the subgenre. This season we're looking at the subgenre of film noir and neo-noir. You can also check out Doing the Nasty podcast, which is on its second and final season. Myself and Mark Ball are currently working our way through the Tier 3 Video Nasty list. And then, rounding out those shows, you can check out Opera Omnia, which is returning to the airwaves this month. We on Opera Omnia sit down with a brand new resident guest host each season. We pick one director and work through their filmography, a la their Opera Omnia. And this particular season coming up, we'll be looking at a shorter run 
for Alex Garland, whose new movie, Men, has just made its way to the cinemas. A three-movie run is what we'll be covering under that season with a resident guest host starting back up this month. Subscribe to Teapots Collective and you get all the shows and the archives all in one singular feed. Chronicle Podcast is a labour of love of mine and it allows me the opportunity to sit down and do some European exclusive horror movies. And that sometimes means we get to cover some pure gems and some utter nightmares. Thus far, we are hitting a high batting average. It is only inevitable before we find the movie that either myself or the resident host of that episode dislikes. Time will tell when the penny will drop. This episode of Chronicle Podcast was recorded and produced by me for you. Please, please, please check out our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Chronicle Podcast. But before we go, remember what Anne Rice wrote about vampires. She said, The vampire is an outsider. He's the perfect metaphor for those things. He's someone who looks human and sounds human, but is not human. So he's always on the margins. This is Duncan McLeish for Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Until the next time. Ignition. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Lift off.